0: I'm reading the scriptures, and so I better get back up here. Hello, everyone. Once again, let's stand as we read the scriptures. Hear the word of the Lord, my friends. Matthew, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him."
1: Thanks be to God. Let's stay standing as we pray. Lord, we're reminded of giving. We're reminded of the gift you have given to us, your salvation. That Jesus, you always were God. You didn't become God, but you became man. You made your dwelling among us, and you have come to seek and to save. And so we praise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. Stay standing for just a second. There's a Christmas greeting, and it goes something like this I say, Christ is born, and you say, glorify him. Christ is born. Lord, Christ is born. Lord, Christ is born. Lord, am. Amen. You may now be seated. I love, uh, some of you know this about me, like cheesy bumper stickers, cheesy Christian shirts. Uh, It just makes me smile. I see someone with a cheesy Christmas shirt or a Christian shirt, and it just makes me smile. I saw one that had the manger scene of Jesus in the manger and Mary Joseph, the shepherd's a star. Three wise men on their camels. And it said, wise men are still seeking him. Have you seen this? (laughs) And I just thought, that's a sermon. And so this sermon today is going to be about the wise men. And point number one of this sermon, there's three points. Point number one is the Magi point to what is really important. And spoiler alert, we're in church. What's really important is... (laughs) Jesus, yes, I'm not tricking you. This is the real answer. Jesus is the most important. Worshiping him is the answer to what is the most important. Listen to these words of scripture. It says this after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of King Herod, we'll talk about him in a minute. Magi, we'll talk about them this whole sermon. They came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to Worship him. Have you caught that? This little piece in the story before? They have come to worship him. Woven into this story, into the narrative in in, in the gospels of Jesus coming to earth, the Christmas story, is that He is God. Jesus is Lord. He is God. And these magi have come to worship him. And that's what's the most important. That's point number one. The magi have come uh, to point to what is the most important, and that is Jesus. Now, around Christmas time, there's a lot of important things, right? We have family coming into town. Maybe you're leaving for town. Maybe you do certain traditions that you've always done. Maybe certain Christmas traditions have been passed down. There's a lot of important Important stuff around Christmas, but the most important thing is Jesus. Jesus. In our house, we we uh, I say this with a smile, kind of kidding, but uh, every year, what's up? An important tradition for us, and we have three, uh, four little boys. Lost count for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we go out and we get a real Christmas tree. Anybody else get yeah. a real? Amen. Yeah, we don't have the abomination tree plastic. Color. Oh, no. <laughs> tree Thank you, I didn't realize that would cause such angst. But that's, that's like the, the point. That's one of the things that I'm saying with a smile that, that it's, it's really not that important, but we make it, right? Like the food we eat, the things we do, whose house we go to at Christmas time. Some of these things elevated to like the most important thing. And we fight over it just like we're about to fight in here over real Christmas trees versus plastic Christmas trees. And, and we get right down to it and we would all say, Actually, what's really important is Jesus. And actually, it's not, it's its worshiping Jesus, who he is. He is God himself. In fact, thinking about Jesus the most, like our time, like we measure time, B.C. and AD, based upon when Jesus came, before Christ or Anno Domini, uh, after the, the year of our Lord. Some people say it's after death, but that's actually wrong. It's, it's a Latin phrase. But all of time, think about this, is measured on when this man came to this earth, fully God and fully man. His very name, Jesus, means God saves I think a lot of Christians around Christmas time, maybe you're guilty of this, is to kind of boo-hoo and poo-poo Christmas, like, oh, it's such a secular holiday, and that stinks that that's like that. It's, oh, all the stores are crowded, and people are mean, and parking lots are full, and that's too bad. And I think, you know, some people get upset, it's like, oh, we can't even say Merry Christmas anymore, we have to say Happy Holidays, and we can get into the hubbub of this season and just and just... To think it's a Debbie Downer when really, if we remember what is the most important, which is Jesus and worshiping Him, well then none of us should be Grinches. There is something to celebrate. The joy of the world has come. Jesus has made his dwelling among us, and that's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. The next point is this. So first point was Magi point to what is the most important. Point number two is this, the Magi were seeking and were led to Jesus. The Magi were seeking. I imagine there's some of you in here that are seeking. You would consider yourselves someone who's seeking and open to receiving truth. And that's where the Magi were. They were seeking and they were led to Jesus. Reminds me, uh, their story in a way reminds me of Newton. Do you know uh, Newton, the great uh, physicist? He studied the stars. He studied planetary motions. One of the most brilliant people in the world that have ever lived. And he says things. Things like this. He who thinks, this is a quote by Newton, he who thinks half-heartedly will not believe in God, but he who really thinks has to believe in God. See, Newton, this man that studied the motions and, and gave us all this, uh, these equations for gravity and whatnot, he, he thought at the very center of, of creation was a creator. And when he was studying the, the motions and the planets, he was trying to find the mind of God. And in some way, these magi are doing that. They're following a star, they're seeking, and they will be led to Jesus. So these magi, the Greek word is magoi, and Here's what we know about these people. They, the very name means like a magician or a wise man or even a sorcerer, as it could be translated. And here's what we know about them. If you're writing down notes, prepare to write very fast. I'm going to go through uh, all that we know about them. Here it is. Point number one, nothing. <laughs> we know nothing about these guys. There's lots of good educated guesses. I've been watching documentaries on these guys and it's a lot of conjecture. And And we look at them and say, oh, well, they're from the east, we know something. It's like, no, we, they, we still know, like how far east? Are they from ancient Babylon? Are they from ancient Assyria? Are they from India? Could they be from Asia? we know nothing. Like we really don't know about these guys. We know just a tiny little bit as we read this morning. And here's something. This is going to blow your mind. This is going to make you mad. But we don't even know how many there were. (gasps) In the picture on the t-shirt, there's always how many? Three. Three. Everybody knows this. But do we know this? We actually don't know. In fact, a lot of educated guesses would say there was probably more than three. There was probably an entourage. That's how people traveled back then. There was probably a bunch of them that came. But we know nothing we, we, about these guys. We don't know anything about them. And we always have this picture in our minds, because it's on every pic- picture, uh, uh, card, Christmas card you get. There's the manger scene, there's the stables, there's the animals, there's the star, there's the shepherds, and there's, of course, the three magi right there with baby Jesus in the manger. And that's just not the case. If you read the story, it's it's much later. It's the Greek word used for Jesus isn't a baby Jesus. It's like toddler Jesus when when the magi visit him. So... We don't know much about these guys, but here's some interesting things I've found in my journey researching just educated guesses about these guys. And we could call them three of them, but we don't know for sure. There's this prophecies. I'm going to look at prophecies. We are a church that believes that the, the word of God is living and active. and We believe that Jesus is speaking to us today. He has spoke and he is speaking. And we could study these prophecies. We look in the Bible and we see a very interesting prophecy. If you don't know the Bible too well, this is one of those like a tr- trivial pursuit questions uh, about this guy named Balaam. Have you, have you heard of Balaam before? He, he's, there's a king named Balak and he goes to Balaam, it says, Prophesy and curse these Israelites and Moses curse them. And so Balaam says, Okay, and he's he's a character. If you read the story, he is a character. He's like one of these magi, these sorcerers. He's an interesting dude. And he goes to God and prays and comes back and says, I can't curse Israel. I can only say what God wants me to say. And he gives this prophecy, and it's very interesting. You could research it later. It's beautiful. Numbers 24, he says, I see him, I see him now. And he goes on to say, a star will arise and a ruler will come out of Israel. It's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Because these magi, some some characters like um, this Balaam character, see a star. They see a ruler. And it points, of course, to Jesus. Just an interesting thing here. Daniel, chapter five, moving along. Fast forward in the Bible, Daniel chapter 5, it's very interesting, Daniel's in Babylon, and it's just guessed, we don't know, but these magi could have come from Babylon, and it's said in Daniel chapter 5 that Daniel becomes the head of magi. At the time Daniel lived, isn't that interesting that maybe, who knows, it's just interesting to talk about, that these magi could have known Daniel and passed on some of this knowledge years and years and years later, so much so that they're looking at a star, looking for a star, and they see a star rise, and it takes them right to Jesus. One more thing here, Isaiah 47 is a prophecy against Babylon. So here we are, uh, kind of fast-forwarding again to this prophet uh, Isaiah, who's prophesying against this area of Babylon and he's kind of saying, so um, like tongue in cheek here, and he's saying, let your astrologers come forward. So he's telling Babylon, let your astrologers come forward. Those stargazers who make predictions month by month, let them save you from what is coming upon you. Interesting that that's actually what happens. That magi, these astrologers come forward and they actually make a prediction of uh, with the star and are led right to Jesus. Brett said it this way, the, he's, he's been um, talking, he read the scripture for us, I met with him this week, and he said, he said it this way, God graciously meets us in our seeking. Thinking about these magi, they're really, they're, they're, they're studying the stars, they're seeking, and yet in their seeking, God graciously leads them to himself, So it says this, it says that the Magi see his star, they end up coming to Jerusalem, they end up talking to Herod. It says this, verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, because they they had met and decided that the, the one to come would be born in Bethlehem, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was, and when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So these magi, these 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 people from the east, we don't know if there was just three of them, they come seeking a star because it's pointing to something very, very, very special. King of the Jews, and they come to worship him and to give him gifts. Beautiful. It points to what is the most important at this time. Point number three is this, and it's the last point. Point number three is the magi worship Jesus and then... Give. That's what they do. The Magi worship Jesus and then give. So the story. We all know it. They, they come, they see Mary and Jesus, they bow down in worship, and then they give him gifts. And we'll talk about those gifts. But how are they led? They're led by the star, which leads them to Jerusalem. And all of Jerusalem's in an uproar. They meet the very king. They're brought before the Roman king at the time, Herod. And Herod says this. He says, you know, go find this child. And when you do, report back. Report to me so that I too may worship him. Some of you know this story, though, and know that Herod is a bad dude. He's not just a bad dude. He's an evil dude. He is against Jesus. He's against anyone being called king of the Jews because that was his title. And he actually, we find out later in this story, that uh, Herod wants to know more about where this child was born because Herod wants to kill him. And so he's not a, a good dude. He says he wants to worship him. I think the implication here is that we, we can say one thing and really mean another when it comes to Jesus. We can say, Merry Christmas and and do the Christmas thing and read the Christmas story. But really, I'm gonna ask us at the end of the sermon, like, where are you at in this story? Is that really where you are in in wanting to worship Jesus? Or is that just something that is said and is something to say that's very nice at this season and this time? It says this, that all of Jerusalem is upset and Herod is upset too. And I think it's like the saying that like if mama ain't happy, nobody happy. Maybe it's a similar thing. Herod ain't happy. Nobody happy. Herod is a bad dude. If you look at this dude in history, he uh, comes to the throne because his father uh, did some favors and helped out Rome, and then he becomes this Roman king all uh, over Jerusalem and uh, Judea. And Herod actually kills two of his eldest sons because they were threatening his throne. He actually ends up killing his wife, and it's Uh, saying at that time, is it safer to be Herod's pig than his family member? Because he was a bad dude. He would kill people on his deathbed. To give you a picture of this Herod, he had, uh, so he's really sick. He knows he's going to die. He has imprisoned all these popular, wonderful people in Judea so that when he dies, the day he dies, Herod would then have all of these people executed so there would be great mourning in the land when Herod died. It's just, just a horrible Guy. He's the same guy that goes after Jesus and kills all of the young boys in the area because he wanted to get rid of this Jesus. And then his parents, of course, will take him and flee to Egypt. We know bits and pieces of this story. But think about this. Think about Herod. He rejects the gospel and hates Jesus. And we, I think there's people, unfortunately, in this world today that reject the gospel and hate Jesus. There's people that really don't like Christians. There's people like Herod that forever, whatever reason, I don't know what comes first, the hating of Jesus or the rejecting of the gospel. But this is a very real response in this season to Jesus and what he did and what we believe about him and our worship to him sometimes infuriates the world around us. Listen to this. Verse 4 says, Um, continuing with the story, when he had called together, so he's talking about Herod, Herod calls together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law. He asks them where the Messiah is to be born. And what do they say? Well, they they just know. They know offhand. They say Bethlehem, and they quote this scripture. And then what's very interesting is that the wise men, the magi, go on their way. They end up bowing down before Jesus. They end up uh, giving Jesus the gifts. And where are all these chief priests? Where are all these smart people and the teachers of the law that knew where Jesus was going to be born? Where are they at in this story? seems like they stay home, which is very interesting. This implication for us is that that we, as myself, I'm pointing at myself, so we could know the answers. We can be the church people who, oh yeah, we know all this stuff. But when it comes time to go worship Jesus and to give and to give our life to him, like, are we really there? Are we amongst those that go to seek Jesus? That's the implication. And just imagine this conversation. The wise men show up. They see Mary, a little toddler Jesus. Imagine that wonderful conversation. They bow down, it says. Before they give the gifts, they bow down and they worship this little boy, Imagine that sight of, of uh, I, I picture, you could picture three, I picture an entourage, whatever you picture. We don't really know. The I come, it had to have been quite a show because of the gifts they give and they've come so far and they see a mom and a little toddler and they bow down and worship. What a wonderful thing. And then they bring these three gifts that are significant. They bring, do you know? Gold. Frankincense and myrrh, or as little kids say, gold, Frankensteins, and Smurfs. <laughs> And what, we all know what gold is, right? Gold is worth a lot, it's a valuable, it's a precious metal, it's a gift for a king. It's, it's if these gifts point to anything, the gold would point to Jesus is king, he is king. And the frankincense, uh, you probably don't know what that is, or a myrrh, you probably don't know what that is. Uh, it's just things we say around Christmas time, we all assume that everyone knows what they are, no one knows what they are. So I'll tell you, they are both a tree sap, it's like a spice, both of them come from different trees, and it's dried sap that can be turned into an oil or or an incense and burn. So now you know. So frankincense comes from the frankincense tree, I guess. I don't know the scientific <laughs> name. And it's a sap and it's used. If you look in the Old Testament, it's used again and again and again and again and again and again whenever it's talked about incense in the temple or oil is is mingled with uh, the frankincense and then used to anoint priests when new priests would come of age to become priests. It's... It, Points to, if these gifts point to anything, gold points to that Jesus is king, the frankincense points to Jesus as being a priest and a high priest forever, and then the myrrh, that's the interesting one. That's the one that doesn't belong out of these three gifts. Have you ever gotten a weird Christmas present? Uh, from someone. <laughs> yeah, we got some weird stuff. And you, you, the key is you, you open it and then you say the name of the gift. That's, if you ever give a gift and someone's like, oh, a pack of underwear. Thanks. I needed that. This is weird. That's that's a little clue that this was a weird gift. Imagine, this is how weird the, the myrrh gift is. Imagine you open a gift and it's like an urn. And you're like, this is weird, is this an urn for ashes? And, and the person's like, yeah, it's, it's for when you die, man. You could put your ashes in it. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks. I, I, I don't know what to give you, wow. This is grand, thanks for this. Think about that. Myrrh is used as an embalming spice in the ancient world. I have a little piece here. I got it uh, in Manitou. There's a little shop and they sell some, all kinds of different things and they sell myrrh. So I have a little piece of myrrh and I, uh, it's, it's used, it's mingled with the oil. It's used as a spiced and crushed and broken down and used as an embalming spice. So imagine Jesus uh, little a uh, little Jesus and Mary getting these gifts uh, Joseph uh, was probably there they get the gold wow they get the frankincense wow the the smell of the temple and worship and priests and then myrrh? Like this would be the gift that is a little unusual, but isn't it part of the story? Isn't it part of the grand narrative of Jesus coming to earth? And we immediately, there's these clues in the text of scripture, even at his birth, even surrounding him as a young child, that it will be his death that saves us. Here's a foreshadowing of his death. When Jesus is on the cross and dying, he's given uh, wine mingled with Myrrh. Have you ever thought? There's like, here's this this clue, this foreshadowing of his death. Think about the the mountain in Jerusalem. Never been there, would love to go. But it's near the mountain of Moriah. Moriah is the same uh, root word as myrrh. So it's like the hill of myrrh, where the trees that produce the myrrh grew. And on this hill in the ancient days, this is where Abraham went to sacrifice his son. Isaac. Isn't that interesting that it, God stops it there and it says this was just a test, but isn't it interesting that in Jerusalem near this hill where I, uh, Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, God himself will be the one sacrificing his son, fully God, fully man. Jesus put to death on a hill near Moriah. This foreshadowing gift is something that, that reminds us that How salvation and the gift of God works is that no one is saved. We as a church, we would say, you know, no one is actually saved by attending church. No one is saved by knowing the stories Jesus told or knowing about Jesus. No one is saved by being a good person. No one is saved even by knowing about the life of Jesus. We are actually saved by his death, his atoning death on the cross, and isn't it interesting that even as a little child, there's this gift foreshadowing that He will be the ultimate gift for humanity? Think about this. Um, the gift cards. You'll probably get some gift cards on Christmas. You'll probably give a couple gift cards at Christmas. I was looking at uh, stats on gift cards and just s- sat in awe that every year there's billions of dollars bought in gift cards and so much money is not used. We have, uh, had, I did have one stat that since 2005, uh, according to this projection, $45 billion of gift cards have not been spent Wowzer. Think about that. Think about this gift in a, in a spiritual way. Jesus is the great gift to this world. God himself, fully God, fully human, a gift to us. And how many of us leave that gift somewhere and forget about it and do, do not fully accept it? Think about yourself in the story. That's the question as I conclude this sermon. Is like, where are you at in this story, in the story of God. There's the Herod who says he wants to go worship. He says the right thing, but really his intent and his heart is pretty evil towards the things of God. There's the people that um, know the answers, the the chief priests, the smart people of the day that knew Jesus would be born, the Messiah, the Christ would be born in, in Bethlehem. And yet, it doesn't seem like they went and joined these wise men on their journey to go worship him. Think about where you stand in this story. The wise men come, and before they give anything, before they give of their time, their talent, their treasures, to this child Jesus, they immediately bow down and worship him. That's the response that we should have at Christmas, and that is what is most important, to worship the living God. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your head? Where are we at in this story? Every one of us gets to answer that for ourselves. The heavens give glory to God. The Lord is revealed by a star. I'll read this. It says, on coming to the house, we know the story now, the magi are following the star, it's kind of stands still over where the, the child Jesus is, and it says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him.